the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I hope your weekend was a good one. Heidi and I were just talking about it. Uh, Saturday was a great day, about 85, 86 degrees, sunny skies, blue skies, and uh, just a little too much wind. If the wind had been down a little bit, it had been just a far perfect day. But, you know, can't ask for perfection all the time. Nope. I enjoyed what we had, Heidi. It was great. I had... I had my uh, son-in-law and my daughter and their three kids over. I cook steaks from Cabot Meat Market. Nice. Yeah, you would like these. Are you ready to hear about these? Sure. I cooked some ribeyes. I went out and bought a brand new charcoal uh, grill. I'm, I'm going back old school now for charcoal because with when you got pro, propane, it's really difficult to do the wood chips right. You know, you got to put right. it in a little container and all uh-huh. that crap. Uh, so I didn't like that. So uh, I threw some uh, mesquite chips on the on the briquettes, and I I threw the steaks on. Each steak was one and a half inches thick. Ooh! It was, they were ribeyes, and they weighed in at twenty four ounces. Nice. And I ate, I ate uh, as my son-in-law and I were saying, we both ate uh, beef babies on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I didn't eat another bite the rest of the day. Oh, I'm we, sure. Yeah, we ate at about 3.30, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And, yeah. And, uh, wow, I was full for the rest of the day. Had a salad with it. Yeah. You know, good stuff. It was great stuff. Baked potatoes. Can't. Mm. Can't get away from that. So yesterday, um, I had my uh, other daughter over with her uh, her uh, son, my grandson Eli. He's three now. He's grown about an inch and a half since the last time he was here before the corona, you know, the coronavirus before COVID hit. So uh, he's he's grown like a weed, and uh, you know, uh, her uh, her husband was here as well. Uh, I had um, had hamburgers. Uh, with them, cheeseburgers and salad, and uh, had some uh, chocolate cake and ice cream and things of that nature. So we had a, I had a great weekend. I love being around my family. And, oh yeah. Yeah, I hadn't seen most of them uh, together like that in five weeks. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I miss them when they're not around like that. I really do. I miss them. All right, here's your weather. Are you ready? It's going to be pretty good uh, today. Humid periods of sun, 79 degrees. Tonight we might see some thunderstorms in the area. Uh, tomorrow, times of clouds and sun, 77 degrees. Wednesday is going to be mostly sunny and 77. Currently, uh, your temperatures around the area are 66 where I'm at in Cabot. 
Hot Springs is 64. Uh, what else I got here? I had Pine Bluff a moment. Pine Bluff is at 69, and Little Rock is sitting at 67 degrees. Now, this weekend coming up for Mother's Day is going to be a little cooler. Looks like the highs only in the higher 60s, but just be glad that you're not going to be in Denver because I was just telling Heidi uh, that it's going to supposed to snow in Heidi, uh, in uh, Denver on uh, Saturday. So, oh, and Snowing Sunday. in May. That's right. Wow. Snowing in May. So they're expecting it to, to come, but it is, after all, Denver, and I've true. It's the, it's the mile high city. They call it that for a reason. Yeah. And uh, when you get up that high, you get uh, weather that's a lot cooler than when you're down lower, like we are. What what, what are we about? A hundred and ten feet over sea level, or something, something like that. Yeah. I mean, we're we're pretty low as far as that goes. Going to be interesting to see um, this coming weekend what churches are going to do because, um, as expected. Uh, the may uh, the mayor the governor is going to have a presser today and word is out that he's going to say that churches may reopen on uh, Sunday but with uh, you know rules in effect and I don't know what the rules are going to be be like I mean Thursday he said that salons can could be open did you hear about some of the rules that the salons have to face? Yeah, I, I did. And um, I don't know how you feel about it, but honestly, you know, it, it, it kind of makes sense to me, you know, having lesser capacity, no walk-in appointments. Um, so it, it, for, for me, it, it seems pretty good. So, Well, I'm one of those people that I'm just, I guess I'm just fearless because I remember when I was a kid and uh, measles and mumps were around. You right. hardly remember that because they've been—they're gone now almost. Yeah. Every once in a while, they pop their little ugly heads up, and measles can be very deadly. Yeah. And uh, you know, you—you'd hear Johnny had the measles down the street, and all the rest kids on the street would go down to Johnny's house, <laughs> so that we would all get the measles. Yeah. Together, everybody, and you built up a herd mentality really quick that way. Same thing with mumps. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as that though. The last, uh, you know, I guess serious disease that I can remember, and it was it was on it was way on the wane by the time I was born was polio. Now people lived in fear uh, at at a time when polio was happening because of uh, it was striking children so strongly. But uh, yeah, it just was really kind of interesting as uh, as far as that. Uh, that's kind of interesting as far as i'm concerned but got to see what happens i here's the thing i don't understand my wife i mean look they're going to open church on sunday my wife is already upset because she can't get a uh, a hair appointment until thursday of next week which means that she'll have to do with her hair (laughs) as best as she can uh, next Sunday, because I'm expecting church to be open. Now, with that said, even though the governor says it's okay, I don't know yet if my church is going to, you know, open its doors. Because there's going to have to be, I'm sure, some kind of 
of social uh, rules. Yeah. yeah. So if there's going to be social distancing, like our church holds about 900 people. Ooh. You know, you, you bring nine. You can. You're going to. You're talking 450 now. All right. Because you can have. To, so you're going to have to turn away some people. What are you going? You going to have the usher stand at the front door and turn people away. Now, I got a call from my pastor. He was asking me some questions. Um, he said they had an FM transmitter, but it wasn't reaching far enough. And he, he asked me what I would suggest, and I suggested to do like they do at over at uh, Agape. And they use an AM transmitter, and that, can, that gets out about a mile. Uh, now, it's very directional, but that's what you need. Uh, you put up a little antenna, ground it, and you can fire out that, uh, that AM signal just and set it out straight across the parking lot. So what you could do is if you get there late or you get there after the 450, let's say, are seated, the rest of you stay in your car in the parking lot and you can partake of the service over the radio. You can tune in and listen. That way you're not turning somebody away because, you know, the last thing I would think you'd want to do is turn somebody away. Say, well, you can't come in because you've got too many people here already. What do you think? Well, I was going to say um, that that sounds like a, a pretty good plan. I know my church, um, what we're probably going to do is um, like we're literally going to have like signups. So, like, people would sign up, like, okay, which service are you coming to? You know, where do you plan to sit? Um, so then we have a, a head count. And so if someone does happen to attract um, COVID-19, if they do, in fact, get it, then um, we know, okay, they were in this seat. They were at this service. Here's how many people were exposed. And so I think we're just going to kind of try to keep a head count of, of everybody. So Okay. All right. That makes sense. Do you hear, uh, you remember uh, Google came out with Google glasses a few years ago? Yeah, yeah. And you could see, you know, everything that was on your Facebook account and all of that stuff, you know, projected on the glass of your glasses. Uh, they've added something to that. When you look at people, it's going to tell you what their temperature is. Wow. Huh. How bizarre is that? That is bizarre because... What you like when taking your temperature? You have to like put it under your tongue or somewhere else nah, on your body. No, no, no. You think about it. Huh. You got, there's all kinds of devices out there that read uh, heat signatures. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So evidently, this will read read uh, heat signatures, and you'll be able to tell the people that are running a fever, and maybe uh, you should avoid them. But I'm just saying, how much stuff can you put on your glasses before you can't see what's going on in front of you and you run into the wall or something? Man, the <clears throat> technology has just skyrocketed. That yeah. is amazing. Yeah, it has. It's, it's gotten bigger. But, yeah, that's just that's just question for me. I mean, how much stuff can you put on those Google glasses before it's too much? And I guess if you have contacts, you're just out of luck. <laughs> Because they they can't they can't they can't put it up on contacts nope. as far as I know and heard nope. about it. All right, sixteen after six. Let's get tra- first uh, check of traffic, check in uh, on the weather as well from Channel Seven. We'll do that right now. It's a Dave Ellswick show. Good morning to you. It's Monday. Uh, we're into the the month of May now. It's, today is May fourth. May the May the fourth be with you. We'll be back with more in just a moment. 20 minutes after 6 on your first Monday of May. May the 
forth be with you, uh, as the saying goes during this time. And I don't know if you did this like I did yesterday, but I sat down and watched several of the Star Wars movies. Uh, I think it was... uh, it wasn't Turner Classic. It was another channel like that, though, that was showing uh, streaming all of the uh, Star Wars movies from the first one through uh, the last one. Now, they didn't get to Rise of Skywalker because um, it's being shown on Disney Plus right now, and no other uh, station can watch it. But if you want to watch that, you can see it. But what I watched yesterday is I watched The Phantom Menace because that's the first one. That's the first prequel, and I uh, and I, I watched it because when it came out, I didn't like it, and the reason I didn't like it was the whole thing about Jar Jar Blinks and the underwater city, and it was way too cartoonish for me. The CGI was not good at that time, and um, I watched it again to see maybe if I would like it now, and I sat and watched it. Maybe I would have uh, mellowed out in, in age. And I still didn't care for the movie, although I did like the storyline. I thought the storyline was good. I picked up a few things that I hadn't uh, picked up before. For instance, Heidi, are you there? I'm here. Okay, so here is something that I found. I don't know how I've missed this all these years. Okay. But Anakin Skywalker did not have a father. Did you know that? He didn't. Yeah. No. I did not know that. Yeah. Evidently, within all of our cells is the Force. Hmm. And the Force is of these, like, mitochondria or something like that. It's not mitochondria. They didn't call them mitochondria. It's something else. Uh, us, a mitochondria is a little, you know, energy I think it was metachlorians. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But those metachlorians came together uh, in Anakin, and that's why he was the chosen one. But as uh, Yoda said about a third of the way through the movie, much much hate I see in you. Mm. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, hate leads to anger, and anger leads to bad things. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it was, uh, was, for whatever reason... That never connected with me. So I picked up something after watching the movie again. So that was uh, that was fun seeing that. Yeah. And the and the chariot race or the the speeder race was mm-hmm. good. And what's interesting, if you watch that race and then go back and watch the movie Ben Hur. Now I knew this before I even went and saw the movie the first time. That is the chariot race from Ben Hur, basically. basically shot for shot. True. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting, but uh, the guy at the, the, the end, the guy that played Marsalis, of course, Peter Boyd, not Peter Boyd, uh, Stephen Boyd in uh, the original movie, Ben-Hur, ended up dying from the chariot race. This guy didn't die in the speeder race. He just he was out there just shaking his fists at, the, <laughs> at, uh, at Anakin as he flew by him. But, yeah, yeah that, was, uh, that was pretty cool to watch that again. And then watching Obi-Wan come into his own mm-hmm. uh, to, to knock off Darth Maul was pretty cool as well. And what a great way to knock him off by cutting him in half. Now, look, if if you've never seen the movie and that's a spoiler, I'm sorry. The movie's it's been, been out a long. It's been 21 years. Yeah, it's been out for a while, so yeah. I'm not going to worry. I'm, don't worry. I'm not going to talk about Westworld. The final uh, episode of season three was on last <laughs> night. you got to see it. 
Oh, my gosh, was it crazy. It is really – they've, they've okayed season four. I don't know where they're going to go with Westworld now, to be honest with you. But anyway, that, uh, that was last night. And then I watched what I think, other than New Hope, which is the very first Star Wars when it was released, uh, and, uh, and maybe Revenge of the Jedi, which I think is the best written of all of the, of the uh, uh, movies from Star Wars. I got to tell you, man, uh, now Rogue One was on yesterday, and that movie is a great standalone. I movie. really like Rogue One too. Oh, yeah. it's a fantastic movie. It really, I mean, Edwards, uh, Garth Edwards, the guy who directed it, said that it was uh, what they did is they they made it made a World War II movie mm-hmm. in Star Wars. And it really does follow that type of a storyline. Mm-hmm. And these guys on a suicide mission and stuff. Such a great movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that movie is really good. It can, if you let it and you watch it and you really invest yourself in it, it can bring you to tears at the end. Yeah, yeah, because... Everybody's sacrificing themselves. Mm-hmm. And then, a, that, and then I feel like, you know, Rogue One leading into New Hope, it makes the victories in New Hope all the more satisfying, oh, knowing yeah. what the people in Rogue One had to do in order to save the galaxy. Yeah, we went and saw Rogue One and uh, at the theaters, and as soon as I got home, I said, Linda, sit right there. And I threw on my DVD of uh, New Hope, and of course, it picks up, boom, right at Immediately. the end. Of Rogue One, you know, because the the ship is chasing Princess Leia, who has already escaped, and it's just a really great movie. You know, and, and I wish they would do sequels more like that, where it would pick up it immediately, mm-hmm. you know, from the end of the previous storyline. I can see that. All right. So let me give some good news to everybody. Here's some good news for you. The president was on Fox last night uh, doing a virtual town hall meeting for two hours. Uh, I have to say I wasn't watching it. I was watching Star Wars movies. I'm sorry. I love Star Wars. Anyway, I'm watching Star Wars movies. But uh, I went back and and went on YouTube and watched a little bit of it uh, on there. And uh, I was really only interested in one segment of his uh, town hall. And that was when he talked about a vaccine. And uh, we've got states right now loosening restrictions uh, in a bid to let the nation's economy get back up and running again. President Trump endorsed a state-by-state approach while predicting at this virtual hall last night that a vaccine for uh, COVID-19 could be available by December. Now, I had read articles uh, from Reuters and some other places about that and uh, because they have fast-tracked this. I mean, they're doing things right now. uh, They are already into live trials. I mean, there's people that have been infected with the COVID-19 virus and then were and had been given the vaccine to see uh, if this works. So uh, typically, that takes a year and a half to two years before they start doing that part of it. And and they're three. They were two and a half months in, and so they they got rid of a lot of the bureaucratic uh, stuff before them and let them you know proceed quickly. Trump said he I think we'll have a vaccine by the end of the year. 
and he told this to Brett Barr and uh, and uh, Martha McCollum, uh, saying that he's very confident in that assessment because he's getting updates every day about it. I'm sure he sits down and they look at him, and one part of his daily uh, update is that here's where we're at on the virus. Uh, we'll have a vaccine much sooner rather than later, he said. Asked by McCollum if he was concerned about the potential risks of accelerating the vaccine in human trials, Trump responded, nope, because they're volunteers. They know what they're getting into. They want to help the process, unquote. Now, it is my belief, you know, we're calling just about everybody a hero anymore. I mean, people who are going doing their jobs as a medical professional that you've been trained for years and years and years and years for because you walk into the hospital knowing that you might get COVID-19, you're considered a hero. Well, let me tell you, a person that will go in and let themselves be given a, a vaccine that nobody knows how it's going to react in your bloodstream, basically, and then let you give you live COVID-19, my idea is that person, those people, are big-time heroes. All right, we got news coming up, bottom of the hour. Let me catch up on other news. That was the big news, I thought, from last night's uh, Trump town hall. Here's your news. Let's go to SRN. Later on in the show today, uh, right after 7 o'clock, uh, State Senator Bob Ballinger is going to uh, join us. Uh, the uh, State Senate uh, sent a letter to... Uh, the uh, governor. Now, the governor is slowly reopening the uh, the economy of Arkansas. And let me tell you that the uh, emphasis in that last sentence I said about opening the economy in Arkansas is slowly, very slowly. I was talking a little bit uh, uh, before we went to the news that, you know, uh, salons can be open. Well, my wife made her appointment to go see uh, her uh, hair worker, because uh, she wants you know highlights put back in her hair and get her hair cut and all of that stuff, you know, doing that womanly stuff. Uh, and um, here's one of the rules that they have now: you show up for your appointment, but when you look inside, if you see the stylist still working on somebody. You stay in your car. You don't go in. You stay out in your car. And then when that person leaves, then if it's your time, you got your uh, appointment, you can then go in and uh, have your hair done. There are no walk-in. Walk-ins, by the way, no walk-ins. Hey, listen, I know we, uh, we got a caller. Caller from uh, is Becky from Louisiana. Hey, Becky, where in Louisiana are you from? Oh, I'm near Alexandria now. I used to live in uh, Arkansas when you got uh, Ben Hur restored. Okay, and, well, uh, you're sh- kind of going. Shown you, on the big. Yeah, you're kind of you're kind of doing this the backwards way, all right? Because most oh. people came to Arkansas after Katrina and stayed. <laughs> <laughs> you left, all right? So, what do you have for us? Yeah, you went and saw Big Ben Hur on the big screen when I showed it. Yeah, that's a great movie. Oh, that was fabulous. But they, 
just a comment about the vaccine. It seems yes, as though Fauci and some of them are pushing that Gilead company. Uh-huh. And meantime, our military at uh, Walter Reed, they're working on one that wouldn't be for, and they're way ahead on it, it wouldn't be for just one COVID uh, type vaccine. It has, I don't know how you explain it, a bunch of hooks on it so that it would catch the next version and the next version and the next version. And wow. I'm kind of opposed to that Gilead company because, you know, in the AIDS vaccine, they were given lots of money to come out with that. Uh-huh. And they price gouged us. And then it, the first one had a lot of side effects. They held back on their second one until they used up their stock and their patent on the first one to release the second one. All they right. didn't well. have as many side effects. Well, we'll keep Not our so keep keep our fingers crossed that the way that they're trying to do this one, uh, you know, we won't have as many bad side effects. And I'm I'm sure the same CEO is in there, and he's got maybe he's got a different type of uh, corporate mentality. Ethics? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I hope so. They were at that they were at that meeting that uh, what was it just before the outbreak. They had that meeting in uh, New York by invitation only, and it had the Chinese, the World Health, the Gates Foundation, and all those people talking about what to do in case of an epidemic. I thought that was strange. But take (laughs) care, Dave. All right. We appreciate your call. Thanks so much. All right. Dave Ellswick's show here on a Monday morning. Got about uh, 20 minutes till 7. Uh, but I, I was just talking about you know the governor is opening the state back up. I think that he's doing it a little slow. I look. I'm not a politician. I'm not the governor. I'm not a state senator. I'm not a state representative. I'm just like you. I'm an everyday schmo. Pays my taxes and votes these people into into office and just hope that when things like this happens, uh, they make the right decisions and move us forward. But I also am, um, you know, enough uh, that I understand that uh, a politician's goal is to continue getting reelected. And so they want to proceed in a way that will be, uh, how's the best way to put this, measured. How's that? That's a good political term uh, that's measured and uh, do it slowly so if something bad starts you can stop it and so people can say well he tried to start it instead of getting it really started and then something breaks out and everybody goes say see he should have uh, he shouldn't have opened it that way I mean they're trying to protect uh, their right flank and their left flank and and what's going on right in front of them so that they don't end up costing themselves uh, uh, votes. And you say, well, this is the last hurrah for the governor. Ah, don't don't say that. You know, there there's Senate seats that will come open in the future and all kinds of stuff. So you want to go off on, you know, go out on a on a big bang so that people remember you did this or you did that. And everybody's got a really good taste in their mouth so that you can make sure that you uh, get uh, good, um, um, you know, get you know, good people reflect on you well so that you'll get uh, uh, votes 
later. And if anybody wants to say to me, well, I don't believe they think like that, uh, then you haven't been around politics long enough. Because even if they say they don't consider that, they consider that. It's like when they say it's, it's not about the money. It's always about the money. Those are just things that you, ne- you need to know are. Those are solid statements that you need to remember when you're looking at political things. But uh, the uh, state senators and state uh, reps are telling the governor he needs to open up quicker. So uh, State Senator Bob Ballinger will be on with us uh, at 7.06-ish, and we'll talk about uh, reopening the the, uh, state government, and he thinks that it should go quicker. Now, with that said, don't get me wrong that I'm saying that what the governor has done has been bad during this whole thing. I, I think that he's done a good job. I think he's done a very good job. I just think as he has in some other instances, he's a little slow for me. He really is. I'm doing things. There are some different Republican uh, thoughts and uh, platforms that we believe in that I wish the governor would have gotten behind more stringently while he's been governor, but uh, he did not do so. He, he he was probably the best politician that we could have before uh, between 140 40 years, give or take, a few years of Democratic rule in this state by Democrats. And the beginning of Republicans uh, starting to take over and and uh, directing the state. So we needed somebody that wasn't going to be. Now, this is my my thoughts. All right. That wasn't going to be a, a hardcore Republican. I would have loved it. But I can tell you right now, there's a, a, a large percentage of the population that would not been happy with it because they're not they're not ready for it they're not ready for a lot of that uh, you know personal responsibility that uh, if you're really uh, hardcore Republican uh, that uh, you know we want that's why I say we could open up the uh, the restaurants and stuff and and then tell people now there is always the possibility you might run into somebody that's a carrier and you don't even know it and they could infect you and you could get sick. And most people could make a, a, a decision on that because they're adults. Now, some people can't. You know, some people, they, they'd go out and, and be the fool and, and get themselves sick. And then they're the same ones that want to run out and, uh, and sue you, you know, as far as that's concerned. But, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, just my thoughts on this. I, I, I really wish we let people go ahead and get back to work. I don't understand exactly how everything's going to work out in the restaurants. You've got you to wear a mask when you go in the restaurant. Uh, you can't have anything bigger than 10, party, uh, 10 people in your party. Uh, You've got to keep your social distancing. 
the person who's you now you can remove your mask when you're sipping your drink or whatever or eating your meal but you got to keep uh, the mask on any other time and um if you're serving people, you got to wear the mask all the time. And when you go to serve a dove, another table, you've got to take off the gloves you've been wearing and switch out your gloves. And that's going to be pretty crazy. Where you know where are they going to stick the gloves that they're changing? Put them in their pocket, then to, you know put them in the garbage. The, the kitchen staff, from what I understand, they don't have to wear uh, gloves. Uh, or if they do, they don't have to switch them out. I don't know if the kitchen staff has to wear masks. Uh, I've heard that that's not necessary. I mean, there's just a lot of different things that are going on, and I, I don't get it. I mean, if everybody else has got to wear a mask, why doesn't the person who's cooking your steak doesn't wear a mask? You know what I'm saying? Um, and, uh, I mean, people who bust the table is going to have to wear a mask. Do they have to change their gloves after they bus each table? I don't know. There's a lot of things that they're doing. Uh, there's some things that seem kind of screwy to me. But it's we live in unprecedented times. I mean, we're talking about maybe a vaccine by the end of the year. That's an enormously fast time that that's hap- that could happen. I hope that uh, our last caller is right. I hope the military comes through with theirs. If they come through with theirs, that, that's the one that would be, be used because it's the one that will sell. And uh, if it's good for all, you know, uh, uh, coronaviruses, that would be fantastic if that was the case. All right. We'll keep you up on the news. I got another story to talk about when we get back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 13 minutes until 7. Uh, we're looking at uh, a temperature right now here in the area. Uh, in Cabot, it's 66. Over there in uh, Little Rock, it's 67. Hot Springs, 65. And uh, Pine Bluff is 68. Conway, 66 degrees. More coming your way here in a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, the Department of Homeland Security issued a report that says that in January of this year, Beijing dramatically increased its imports and decreased its exports of medical supplies. Now, you've got to know a little history here. China has been the number one exporter of PPEs for years. It's where most of the stuff is made, and they've been sending it all over the world. Well, come January, and if you've been following the timeline of uh, the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 especially, uh, you'll know that it was during that time that China uh, unleashed the information on the world after they had allowed people fly out of Wuhan International Airport, after uh, a lot of different things that had happened in their own country uh, that uh, it could be passed person to person. It was at that time, two weeks before they made that announcement, that they started buying up PPE stuff instead of sending it out. Uh, the Chinese government withheld information about the severity of the coronavirus outbreak 
so it would have time to hoard medical supplies, according to an intelligence report from the Department of Homeland Security. This is a story from Political, and Political says, We viewed the report, and its overall findings were first reported by the AP. The report reached its conclusion with moderate confidence, it said. We further assess the Chinese government attempted to hide its actions by denying there were export restrictions and using smoke and mirrors and delaying provision of its trade data, the report added. The report went on to say that in January of this year, before sharing full details on the uh, COVID-19 outbreak with the WHO, Beijing dramatically increased its imports and decreased its exports of medical supplies. Uh, In January, according to the report, China increased its imports of surgical face masks by 278%, surgical gowns 72%, surgical gloves 32%, and meanwhile, It slashed its global exports of a host of medical products, for instance, surgical gloves by 48 percent, surgical gowns by 71 percent, face masks by 48 percent, medical ventilators by 45 percent, and intubator kits by 56 percent, even thermometers by 53 percent, and Cotton balls and swabs by 58%. Look, they, they, uh, they jacked the prices up as much as they could, even on cotton balls and swabs. The Chinese government, uh, you know, obscured the magnitude of those efforts by merging its trade figures for January and February, uh, while also delaying the release of trade data. DHS spokespersons did not immediately respond to a request uh, for uh, comment. The Trump administration, by the way, says uh, they are increasingly critical of the Chinese government's handling of the early stages of what became a global pandemic, faulting Beijing for what U.S. officials say is a lack of transparency about key aspects of the corona's outbreak. The WHO declared the outbreak a public health emergency of international concern on january 30th and on uh, the day after that's when the president said if you come from china don't bother uh you can't get into the united states according to a who timeline timeline and this is why a lot of people say that the who was carrying the water for china china first notified the global health body of an unknown Uh, pneumonia-like disease on December 31st and provided incremental updates on the mysterious outbreak throughout the month of January. Mike Pompeo appeared to confirm the report in an interview with ABC News on Sunday uh, in response to a question by host Martha Raditz. Uh, Raditz alluded to unspecified intelligence officials saying that the Chinese government intentionally concealed the severity of COVID-19 from the international community in early January while it stockpiled medical supplies. Now, with that said, can we all agree to this? That if that's the truth, that the Chinese held back this information, 
let out a deadly virus onto the world stage, uh, loaded up on medical supplies so they can make money on those to try to somehow offset uh, how badly their economy was going to be, uh, be hit, that if they knowingly let this stuff out, that they've got the blood of hundreds of thousands of people on their hands. Of course, what's the big deal with that? Now, Chinese governments have the blood of millions of innocent people on their hands, of their own people on their hands. Mao, Stalin, Lenin, Hitler, all the rest of them, Venezuela, and the rest that have uh, have these communist socialist uh, dictatorships and have willingly killed their uh, own people. Uh, Raditz said, in terms of international concealing, I assume you think they did that intentionally to keep as many masks for themselves as possible. Here's what Pompeo said. Martha, you've got the facts just, just about right. We can confirm that the Chinese Communist Party did all that it could to make sure that the world didn't learn in a timely fashion about what was taking place. There's lots of evidence of that. Some of it you can see in public, right? We've seen announcements. We've seen the fact that they kicked journalists out. We saw the fact that those who were trying to report on this, medical professionals inside of China, were silenced, some of whom disappeared. They shut down reporting, all kinds of things that authoritarian regimes do. In other words, they killed they killed physicians. They killed scientists. We know that for a fact. In Wuhan, they went in and uh, to apartment complexes and uh, welded the doors shut so people couldn't leave their apartments. That's why Wuhan got under control so fast and why maybe, if you want to believe it, Beijing never had one case of coronavirus, which I don't believe. All right, let's take a break. We've got news coming your way. You know, I'm, I'm just telling you, China has some paying to do. And I hope every American company proves their patriotism by pulling out and bring bring your uh, you know your businesses back here to the United States and let Americans fill those jobs or uh, if we have allies uh, in the uh, area somewhere uh, that can make uh, products cheaper than what American workers can do I just uh, get to the point where I don't believe that anymore then uh, you know go to those countries. You know, maybe uh, the tax structure is is uh, more con, you know conducive for them. All right, Bob Ballinger is coming up in the next hour. You won't want to miss him. Uh, our uh, law professor Robert Steinbach will join us about seven thirty-five. We got a lot more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Are we opening the state up fast enough? That's the topic as we return on the Dave Ellswick Show.
All right, let's move into the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, we're going to be joined by State Rep- uh, State Senator, pardon me. I got used to calling him a representative. He's now a senator, uh, Bob Ballinger. And uh, here at the bottom of the hour, uh, while we'll hold Bob over into the next half hour as well, uh, Robert Steinbach will join us, our law professor from over at the uh, Bowen School of Law. Coming up at 8.06, Mary Bentley will join us, state uh, representative. And tomorrow, as of right now, I think I can say that state representative Robin Lundstrom uh, will join us in the 8 o'clock hour, along with the Bible guys at 7 o'clock hour. And Elizabeth Sotolaro will be with us during the during the show. So, uh, Bob, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. First time uh, in this year you, you've been. May the 4th be with you. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I've enjoyed being <laughs> on your show a bunch. But, yeah, I, I think this is the first time I've done it since you've been in the morning. I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You haven't had to get up yeah. so early to be on my show. Usually <laughs> I was on in the afternoon. It was a lot easier on everybody as far as sleep patterns went. But yeah, uh, well, I, I haven't even had a chance to finish my first cup of coffee, which is terrible. Well, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. So let me ask you a really tough question. Maybe I'll get a really weird answer or something. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I have you on because uh, uh, you all sent uh, you all being the state Senate. Uh, sent a letter signed by, I don't know if it was signed by all of the Republican uh, state senators or some of the Democrats as well, or who signed and who didn't, uh, a letter uh, to the governor about uh, how well he's done during the uh, COVID-19 situation and now as he's begun uh, opening up the state. Why don't you share with my listeners what all that said? Sure. So the, the letter was actually Republican caucus members. Now, all of them didn't sign on. I, I think that there, people may have had various reasons for not signing on. Some of them probably just weren't quite ready to sign on. But but it was a majority of the Republican caucus of the Senate. And then the majority of the Republican caucus of the House, um, we had House leadership uh, were, were of the caucus leadership were working on this letter as well. And essentially what it did was, one, is commend the governor because he has uh, you know, his his careful approach to things, um, thoughtful approach to things, has made it where we didn't shut down like everybody else. And I'll tell you, two weeks ago, that's where the pressure was. People were, were, you know, hollering, screaming. We had representatives who said, you know, now is the time to panic um, and basically wanted everything, wanted us on lockdown, like most of the states around us were on lockdown. And, mm-hmm. and from the national media, he was getting nailed for not being on, not locking down. And yet, you know, our hospitalizations um, were lower and still are lower than almost all of the surrounding states. I think all the surrounding states, um, you know, our death rate is lower. And and let me say this. We've had 76 people die. That's, you know, that's hard. That's hard on those families. It's hard on those people. You know, it is. It's, death is never an easy thing. But, but the truth is that it's 76 people. And maybe that number, I don't want to say it is inflated. It's a little bit inflated because if you pass away and you have, are diagnosed with with uh, COVID nineteen, then they are put in that attributing that death to COVID nineteen, and so that number could be even higher. I mean, some of those people may have died of heart failure anyway, right? And right. so, and I don't want to minimize that. It was a serious thing. Our approach to it, I think, all of it was was reasonable, and was and and so we've now flattened the curve, and that was what it was about. It's not. This wasn't about 
making where individuals, no one got the virus, right? The nature of a flu virus, nature of, of any other virus is it's probably going to work its way through the system until it has no more hosts in it, right? Until enough people have reached herd immunity that there, it doesn't really have a place to rest. And so the, what we were really trying to do was find, keep it from spiking so high that we put a strain on the healthcare system. And so by that, we've reached it, right? We, we have success. The, yes. the issue now is looking at it with the information we have, the data that we have now, now it's time to start loosening the, the restrictions on, on people. Let, let people start going back to work and start getting engaged. Will that mean some of those people who may be otherwise, if they stay cooped up in their house, may get sick? Maybe. But the, the truth is the death rate is not that high. The healthcare system right now, but in fact, there are nurses getting laid off because of the fact that we have put limitations on what, what hospitals can do, which we should have. It was, it was a smart approach. But maybe some of those things we need to start loosening it back up so that the, the economy can be strong enough that it can handle dealing with the virus rather than have us in a weak position. So, so that's essentially what it was. It was just, one is just one recognizing the governor for what he's done, right? He has, he's done yeah. a great job of us not being shut down. We haven't had churches, you know, uh, people arrested at churches. Why? Because the governor said, if we're going to do restrictions, we're going to do it at the state level. And two, we're going to exempt churches. So that, that didn't happen in Mississippi, right? Didn't happen in, in Kentucky. Didn't happen in a lot of other places. And so you see, you know, people getting tickets for showing up in a parking lot. Right? That didn't happen here. You know, we're, we're, we are, we, so we're saying, Governor, you did a great job uh, of what we've done. And, and then it, it may be a little bit of a, of a nudge on the governor. And, and, and on our, because honestly, the governor's not going to do what, what the people um, aren't willing to do. And so technically it wasn't even a letter to the governor. It was a statement from the Republican caucus of the Senate, a statement from the Republican caucus of the, of the House that we believe like it's time for our Kansans to go back to work, but do so in a smart way. I, I think an example would be what, what the governor's done with gyms, right? So you, you can now go, go back out. I, I think it's, I think it's today. I'm, I'm not sure, but it, within the next couple of days, you'll be able to go back out to, to your gyms, and I, I'll look to make sure I get that right. But it's it it will you'll have to do it in, in, with limitations, and they're going to going to be cleaning everything after they do it. Yeah, I think it's today. So they're going to be wiping down everything. So my question is, why can't we do that same thing for bowling alleys? Right? Why can't we do that same thing for basically everything? Is just between patrons, things need to be cleaned up, put limitations. Yeah. You know, the, the employees wear masks. You know, and then if they don't, if the people aren't willing to do that, well, then maybe you get them for a health code violation. But if they're willing to 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 take steps, then let's go ahead and get out and and get to work and and get our economy moving. Well, the, the whole thing is, Senator, that uh, it doesn't matter what the businesses and stuff do. It's what the people say. Are the people, yeah. you know, ready to go out to those restaurants and things of that, nat- of that nature? They'll, they'll be the guiding force and the, and the propulsion about what restaurants do, what they have to do to be able to open their businesses and let them know that it's a safe place to come and consume food or to gather. You know, I mean, that's. It's right. going to take a while for people to make that decision. I'm of the opinion, and I think you are too, our Kansans are smart enough to make that decision. 
Absolutely, we are. And and that's the thing is I think that there are some people who are like, look, I haven't been out to eat in, in a month. I'm ready to go. And they're going to go out to eat as soon as they can. There's a lot of people who are like, look, you know, I don't need to go out to eat right now. I've, I've learned that I can – I can, you know, cook my own biscuits and gravy, and we're we're going to do that, <laughs> right? Yeah, you, know, you know, there are some people, and so and so they'll wait, and that's okay. I mean, honestly, if what you're doing is saying that you know hospitals or hospitals restaurants can only have one third the occupancy, then you know it's going to be really hard for everybody to go back out. I I would say that I would even want to try to be very careful about those kind of draconian. Um, and, and let me say, by draconian, uh, there's some places that are still in lockdown. So, you know, in comparison, we're very liberating. But, but you know, those type of restrictions, because, you know, Eureka Springs is in my district. Um, uh-huh. uh, Emilio's restaurant. It, the, and and the, the, the people, the proprietors, Emilio, may not be ready to open up. If they don't, that's great. But if they do open up, then, you know, at, at uh, 5 o'clock on a Wednesday – they're probably not going to be meet capacity, but five o'clock on a Saturday, they will meet their capacity. And what I would say is kind of leave it up to them to decide how they do the social distancing and the limitations. Don't don't put a you know direct you know third occupancy because it just makes it too. Any rule that you put out there is a rule that can can be used by somebody who is looking for power to club a citizen over their head and and i don't think that is a majority and even a very significant minority of the of the the people who are working in civil service but those are some people and that's where you end up with you know people getting tickets and and it and it making the news right Mm -hmm. so we want to try to avoid that we want to try to to make it where the constraints are not so so hard that that you know let's put this back on our people to make decisions smart decisions to try to keep us in a position where we don't have a spike. And that's really the goal, right? It's not, it isn't to make it where nobody gets sick. I wish we could do that. I wish there was a magic wand to say, we, we can do this. Nobody's going to, that's not really, that's just not reality. The goal is to make it where people don't get so sick so quickly that put the strain on healthcare system. And then what you have is people who die who wouldn't otherwise die. That's right? correct. That's what we don't want. And so, that's what we're looking for, and, and I think that we can now start opening back up everything back, which we are, but I think we could probably open up a, a little quicker. And and then you know I have uh, people who have a you know cabins here in in uh, Eureka Springs, probably should have never been shut down in the first place because they're cabins, right? They're right. They're, uh, the real issue was people were worried about people from out of state, but the truth is, if you come from a state like Oklahoma or Kansas. Or, or Nebraska, you know, the, where the cases are not as, as high as what we have here, you're probably not any more likely than, than the neighbor of bringing a, bringing a case in. But that was, the, that was the trouble is, you know, how do you make that limitation? But they've been shut down. They're still shut down. And, you know, I, I, the season in Eureka Springs may have been just completely ruined. And we're looking at a, uh, a situation where, you know, their, their face was bro- going broke. And because they don't have employees, there's real limitations on what benefits they can get from the Small Business Administration, you know, the money coming in from the from the feds. And so they, you know, they're just kind of kind of stuck. And it's if, if that happens, it is purely based on the fact that that COVID-19 hit that, you know, that is like a national uh, a natural disaster. There's nothing to do. But that's not what happened. They're stuck because we said we don't want people from out of state coming in. 
They're That's stuck right. because we shut down all the restaurants. They're stuck because the state took actions to put them in that spot. Yeah, that's why I looked at the money that went out to small business from the federal government differently than I looked at uh, the money that went out back in 08 because it was the government themselves that brought on the problems that small business was uh, facing, and they needed to do something to save small business at that point and still needs to do something to save small business because the small businesses are the ones that are really, really suffering. You know, I, I still get really irritated when I hear about companies like Ruth Chris or Burger Shack or whatever getting tens right. of millions of dollars, and uh, some of that's being addressed, but still should never have happened. I understand why it happened, but it really shouldn't have happened. All right, I'm being yeah. told by my producer, Heidi, who you got to meet when you called in, that yeah. uh, it's time to take a break. So uh, go ahead and warm up your coffee a little bit and have a few more sips of it, and then we'll have you back on here in about four minutes. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, uh, 64 in Cabot now, as uh, we look for a high today uh, around uh, 72 or so. It feels like it's uh, 66 outside Temperatures around the area, Conway 67, Pine Bluff 67, Hot Springs 65, and here in uh, Little Rock, it is 66 degrees. More in a moment. Traffic right now on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back talking about uh, reopening the state. That started uh, basically this week. Restaurants are starting today on May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, by the way, for all you Star Wars fans out there. <laughs> it is May the 4th. And uh, uh, today, look for uh, humid uh, temperatures of about 79 degrees, some periods of sun as well. That's go- I'm going to tell you what, that's good news in two ways. Number one, it's moderate temperatures, comfortable. Number two, it's hot enough and humid enough to kill COVID virus, all right? Uh, that's yep. what we want want to happen. Uh, tomorrow, times of clouds and sun, 77 degrees. And for your uh, hump day, mostly sunny and 77. We're slowly starting to see those stair steps as we move into the 80s and uh, uh, in the not-too-distant future, uh, the 90s. Got close to 90 on Saturday. It was beautiful on Saturday. Uh, currently, right now, in Little Rock, we are looking at... Uh, 66 degrees, uh, and it's going to get warmer than that, so don't worry about it. It's coming. All right, Bob Ballinger, state senator, is our guest on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's going to be with us for a while yet this hour. Coming up at 735 to join in this conversation will be uh, Robert Steinbach. Uh, Bob and Robert Steinbach have worked together on gun legislation, things of that nature, so they know each other well. And uh, I'm going to let you know... uh, uh, Senator, that uh, uh, Robert's kind of the germaphobe of uh, my show. He he's like <laughs> he really is. He's a germaphobe, and he's he's Mister. Uh, let's go slow and all of that. I'm I'm 67. I'm in the prime area of hey, I can catch this crap and it can kill me. I got I'm type two diabetic. I have high blood pressure if I don't take my my blood pressure medicine. And right now, you know, I've been dealing with a health issue with my foot in a and some uh, problems with that. But uh, and 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 I'm look, I'm smart enough. I made the statement to you in the first segment that our our Kansans are pretty smart people. I'm not going to go right. running out to uh, have dinner. 
uh, at a right. restaurant here in the very near future. Probably the end of May, I'll feel uh, comfortable. The weather will be hot enough that I'll feel comfortable to go on and 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 do that. And I carry my little container now of of uh, sanitizing uh, gel and all of that with me. So, you know, I'll feel good to get out. But right now, I'll do what I did this weekend. I made steaks at home and uh, served them to my family, and we sat down and had a steak dinner, and probably was a lot cheaper. In fact, I know it was a lot cheaper than if I had gone out to a restaurant. But I think people are smart enough to know that they're not supposed to, to do this. I mean, my family yesterday, I saw... Uh, my my youngest daughter yesterday, I saw my oldest daughter basically uh, Saturday with their families, and they hadn't been allowed to come here to see, you know, Nana and Pop uh, for uh, four weeks, you know, with the, right. with the little kids because we were afraid that they might carry something when my wife was. Uh, carry something in and uh, I've been I've been, I've had this illness going on for almost eight months now. So didn't want to. Give it a chance. You know what I'm saying? That that's right. just yeah. that's just yeah. using common sense. Yep, and, and I think an example of using common sense and and tying into what we're talking about is, you know, right now they they are, have found almost no cases, at least according to the World Health Organization (CDC), no cases of an adult getting the virus from a child. So you mm-hmm. think of the the millions of cases out there, you know, 1.2 million or something like that in the United States and then worldwide, how much more that is. There's no cases of a kid giving it to an apparent. And so right. if that's the case, then, well, then why don't we open up our playgrounds, right? No. Because we're not talking about parents aren't playing on the playgrounds, really. It's, it's a bunch of adults. It's kids. You know, why, you know, I, and in closing schools at that time, we didn't know that, right? So it seemed like, you know, that's where viruses usually are spread around and are in the schools. So it made sense to close them down. But, you know, coming, coming back in the fall, you know, the question of schools opening up shouldn't be a, an issue when we know that there's no cases of, of, of kids being the contact that has spread it to, to adults. Oddest thing, but praise God that we don't have to worry about kids getting getting sick, and praise God that we don't have to worry about kids giving it to people. That that's a that's a win. And but but that's you know that's science, that's data. So let's make sure that we're we're smart in our response. And so take the take the tape off the playground equipment and let kids go play. Yeah, start paying attention to what the what the data is telling us, Senator. Yeah. You can go uh, finish your cup of coffee. I've got to get okay. Rush on here in just a second, and then we'll be back, and uh, Robert Steinbach will join us as well, and uh, we'll all carry on this conversation. I promise to let you out of here by a quarter till. Is that all right? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. And I'll do that. All, all right. right. So State Senator Bob Ballinger is my guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach, uh, law professor at the Bowen School of Law, is going to join us coming up after uh, Rush and some uh, commercials to pay uh you know bills like getting rush on uh that's all coming your way here on the dave ellswick show but right now let's head off to the eib network and hear where what l rushbo has for us today all right we continue on the dave ellswick show and uh elizabeth told me to check out and see what everybody is saying on the all and uh Anyway, I haven't got a chance to do that, and uh, 
Maybe I'll get Heidi to check on it, and she can read us some comments that people might be making uh, on online. Right now, our special guest, State Senator Bob Ballinger, who's calling in today and talking with us. And uh, joining us, I know that he is here now. Uh, I, I just get, look, it's a, it's a feeling I get when this guy joins me. I just know he's there. Uh, joining us now is, uh, is law professor Robert Steinbach from the Bowen School of Law. Of course, his opinions are his and his alone, and not necessarily though the School of Law or uh, UAPB, and the bottom line is it should be, but they're not. How are you today, Robert? I'm doing very well, Dave. You know, uh, you may have that feeling that I'm on the line because you hear so many voices in your head. But the one that tells you I'm on the line is actually your producer. You see, that's true. That's true. That's that's Heidi saying, hey, Robert, Robert's connected. All right. So Robert is with us today. Uh, Bob Ballinger, state senator, is with us today. And we've been talking about uh, this letter that from the Republican caucus on the Senate side and on the Republican caucus on the House side that went to the governor, uh, Robert. And I sent you copies of those uh, yesterday so you could look them over before you came on. And, you know, what I really liked about what the both sides of the House have done is that they gave the governor all kinds of credit for how he has handled uh, the response to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic thus far. And Mm -hmm. I think that he's done a fantastic job. Now, with that said, I will say that as he started to open things, uh, I think that he has erred a little too closely on caution. But that's okay. You would probably disagree with me, perhaps, on that. But the bottom line is that the man's done a good job. Indeed, he has. And you're right. uh, uh, We've talked on your show before. I'm a germaphobe, quite admittedly so. And so I'm very cautious about um, opening things up. But with that said, to be clear, when things open up, I also don't have to go there, right? I'm not no one forcing right. me. Exactly to go out right. As well, so there, there is inherently, as Bob's uh, excellent letter pointed out, there is a, a, an inherent balance between controlling uh, the pandemic and personal freedom, and. No one has a magic eight ball to perfectly decipher that. Uh, and no exact point is going to be perfect. We're going to make educated guesses along the way. And so uh, I really do appreciate those who say we need to be more quick. But I also appreciate those who say we need to be uh, very cautious. And I don't uh, – Bob will be surprised to hear I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. So it's a tough balance. Yeah, that's because you're you're strongly conflicted in both ways. As a germaphobe <laughs> and and as a as a liberty minded person, you you know you're you got two two important things to to you that are conflicted. So there's an inherent tension there within me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's the thing is I I think that I think that what we'll see and this is what we talked about, Dave is is it will be mixed. Like you may open up, but that doesn't mean. It, I think they interviewed uh, Channel Eleven interviewed two restaurant uh, restauranteurs, and and for your people, it's actually May Eleventh is when the restaurants will open back up. Okay, so, next so, week. So when yeah, so when they open up next week, 
those two people who were interviewed, both of them said, no, we're not ready. We'll, we'll continue doing carry out. We're not going to, there's no way for us to do dine in and do it safely in their mind. Right. So they won't, they won't open up. But th- those other folks are like, look, you know, it's time that we open up, you know, I, we'll, we'll be careful. We'll make sure we follow the guidelines, but we're going to open up. Those people are, are fine. And then there'll be people probably, you know, I, I think me and my family will have no trouble going out somewhere and doing it carefully, although that is almost a group of 10. That is a group of 10 if we all go. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, they, so we may go out, but, but if Rob and his family don't want to go out, they, you don't have to. It, like like you said earlier, Dave, you probably shouldn't go out, right? You know, there's, that's right. There is some, some reasons why some people shouldn't. And, and I, think that that's, I think that's all right. I think that that is probably as long as we understand – like, if we're going to cut ourselves off from anyone getting the virus, that's not going to work. We all need to lock down and, and shelter in place now, right, and, and do that indefinitely. But, but that is also not really an option. So the, the, the goal is, is to make sure we don't have such a spike that we put a strain on the healthcare system, that people are going to get the virus until it's killed off or until herd immunity is such that there's no place for it to go. And so if that happens, then what we need to do is just make sure it's measured, careful, people are thoughtful, wear a mask. And if we do that, then we may still end up continuing at the same pace of having 60 or 70 cases a day. That may happen as we open up. But as long as we don't end up with spikes of hundreds of cases a day, then our healthcare system can, can handle it. Yeah, well, let me just say that, you know, I, I agree with uh, everything that you have just said, uh, totally. It's, it's, it's uh, the, the way that I, I, I feel about all of this. Uh, in your letter, I would have put a P.S. on it, uh, and you could have said P.S. Dave Ellswick said, not smart <laughs> to reopen churches before, uh, before you reopen salons. Because uh, yeah. the women, the women are going to want to get their hair done before you go back to church. Or something. <laughs> I'm just telling you, brother. Well, and so this is the thing: is that it, churches were never shut down, um, but churches did shut down. It, that, I think this is a great example: is that there was churches were exempted from every every directive. They were encouraged to follow it. And they were encouraged to, to, you know, not have gatherings together and, and all that. But they were never never ordered to do anything and yet almost every single church went to uh, online services only or parking lot services they were innovative they found ways that, that i never even could imagine to make sure they gathered and worship but they didn't put their their members at at a uh, risk and so they so they they didn't and so the truth is the church could have been could have been meeting for the last you know month and some of them are are kind of deciding to to get together, and probably a lot of them after barbershops and salons open back up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, they deal with that because as what you just said, there's not going to be special rules uh, for the churches. In other words, you can you can't you got to have you know social distancing and all that other stuff. The church is going to have to make up their mind about that. For instance, let me just use uh, the church I go to as a as a matter of fact, and I I talked a little bit about this in the last hour. I don't know if New Life Church will be open uh, for you know corporate uh, you know worship or not this coming Sunday. It's Mother's Day. I know that they'll probably want to, but they may decide just to keep on stay on YouTube. But uh, our church there in Cabot, our our campus 
holds 900 people. Well, you're going to want to have some distancing, but the last thing you want to do is tell people that you're going to turn them away when they come to the door. So uh, uh, James Bennett, our pastor, talked to me about uh, an AM transmitter that I think that we're going to end up using where we could broadcast into the parking lot so the people who can't get inside can sit out in the parking lot and take part in the right. uh, in the service. So um, I foresee it probably happening, but it's going to be interesting. I think I think uh, churches have a lot to consider. And let me go back to you said there was a couple of restaurants that said they weren't ready to open up for service. How many of them do you believe are thinking in the back of their mind, what about my liability? What if everything I do to keep the, you know, the restaurant clean and, and germ-free and everything? What if somebody dead, does get sick? What if, God forbid, it's an elderly person and they die? What's my liability? I mean, we're not, we haven't talked about that, you know, the whole liability issue. Is that something that perhaps the, uh, the legislature is going to have to take up? Well, I think that there will be some limitations on what the legislature can do, especially with, uh, and I'd say this court, but it's, it's you know, the it's historic is, you know, the question is, you know, with Amendment 80, how much can we address with liability um, directly? Um, what I would say is if that will follow the guidelines, it, and this is not counsel or, you know, talk to your attorney. I got gotcha. you. Talk to your personal right attorney. That's yeah. correct. So. But it, or, or Rob Steinbach, because he's obviously a law professor. He knows everything. But, <laughs> well, you know, Bob, I just got admitted to the Arkansas bar, so look out. Yeah, look out. All right. Oh, good. Well, I cannot wait. This is going to be fun. But what, what I would say is that if they will follow the guidelines, so that would be the standard to be able to demonstrate, look, I did everything I was supposed to do. And if they could show that they had these, these things in place, then they should be good as far as liability goes. Um, but, you know, still talk to your, your your liability insurance provider and talk to your, your attorney about it. What's your thoughts on that, Mr. Steinbach or Professor Steinbach? <clears throat> yeah, I think on the law, uh, Bob is exactly right. But I want to add another angle to this, which is sort of advice, which is if you're sick, don't go out. There was Stay a, home. A, 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 Right, Salem, there was a video, some bus driver, I think in New Jersey, was complaining some woman got on his bus. This was just early on in the in the process. And she was coughing, she wasn't covering her mouth, and he died a week later. Oh, and oh, and I've always, as a germophobe, I've always been annoyed when I go to the store and I see someone coughing and often not even covering themselves. But the fact is, if right. you're coughing these days, you shouldn't go out. And then there was an article yeah. in New York Times about how George uh, Stephanopoulos, uh, or Snuffleupagus, as I like to call him, um, <laughs> would uh, his wife ha- has it or had it, and he was going to the pharmacy when the pharmacy delivered. And, of course, he's being exposed to it. And three days later, he tests po- positive. If you are, right. If you know you have it, if you think you have it, or if you're living in a household with somebody who has it, you need to minimize or eliminate going out and get things delivered in. That's the responsible thing to do for you your family and your neighbors and your community yes that's right that makes sense all right gentlemen let's get a break in final break i'll let you go uh uh, senator unless you can stick around well you know that that's completely up to you i don't don't have anything going until after eight so okay well let's keep around i don't mind it 
Yeah, let's keep you around to the top of the hour then and listen to you and Steinbach make uh, disparaging remarks about each other. We'll be back. (laughs) We'll be back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we will come back now for our final segment. We've got uh, State Senator Bob Ballinger until the top of the hour. Coming up after the top of the hour, into the next half hour, uh, State Representative Mary Bentley will be with us. We'll find out uh, her thoughts about the uh, Republican caucus in the House side and some of the discussion that went on with them uh, that she can share about uh, this letter that went to uh, the governor as well. Also, Robert Steinbach, who's our legal professor from over at the Bowen School of Law, is with us. Uh, I mentioned this uh, earlier on. I mention it now. Uh, when Robert is on, his opinions are his and his alone, and not necessarily, though, those of the school of law or the university. So let's get back to this, guys. Uh, when do you think most of this would be over, Senator? When do you think that the, uh, you know, our uh, our economy in the state of Arkansas is going to be back to full blossom, full muscle power again? Yeah, I, well, so there's kind of two ways. It's just like good attorney. It, it depends on what you mean by that, right? Okay. Um, so every, not, it, I don't think anything ever gets back to normal, right? So it'll be a new normal. Um, I think that by the summer, I, my hope is by the summer, that we'll see what what resembles what we used to see as far as the economic activity. But one thing that's really good is that we weren't in a bad economic time when we got hit. You know, things were, were, were was blowing and going. You know, the economy was great. And so it, I think that we could find that, um, that we bounce back really quickly when we actually start start moving back into the economy. Um, but we've got to do that. And, and one of the problems is, that, you know, how long are some of the other places going to remain on lockdown, right? So uh, now that could be a benefit to Arkansas if we open up our doors and we're we're ready for business. This could be the place where uh, where people decide to come rather than other places. Yeah. But uh, but it it could be that uh, that you know the fact that the economy is hobbled because other places where we sell our goods to are going to be. Hobbled. So the the question is the the supply chain and the economy is never going to be in full force until everybody is out there working again. And and honestly, it is a question also is how does what happens with the virus when we open back up, right? If we end up with with spikes, we'll end up shutting back down again. And so I I don't think that's going to happen, but that's a possibility. And and it's a possibility that we need to recognize as as something we have we'll have to deal with. Okay. What what's your think uh, thoughts on this, uh, Robert? I know that you're not an economist; you you are a law professor. But still, uh, I got to think that if if we get things up and and running uh, by the end of uh, let's say June, I I you know completely, I I think that the the economy is going to do very well. Well, Dave, first, as you know, I'm not an economist, but I play one on the radio, and that's what's important. <laughs> you know, um, but of course. The broader point that both of you have uh, well touched on is you hear uh, Democrats and you see Trump said that the economy was great. It wasn't. Yeah, because we had a meteor hit the planet. Right? Yeah, really. <laughs> it's got right. nothing. The economy was great and the, econ- and the underlying fundamentals are strong. And so there's no right. doubt that when we resume, so will the economy. How quickly? Good luck in predicting that. If, if I could predict that, I would be on some island that I own uh, in the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, but, your name yeah. would be Warren Buffett. 
That's right. But the economy is going to pick up as we resume uh, economic activity. There's, that, that is a truism, in fact. Uh, and, and the economy will be strong uh, similarly. I can't say, as Bob points out, identically, no, but similar to how it was before all of this started. So, yes, it's going to come back. Uh, the question is how quickly uh, and how much. But let's sell on the how much, because I, I think it is I'm quite confident saying that we will get much of what we had back. And the only question will be how quickly that will happen. Well, we got three minutes left here, Senator. Let me ask one last question. We had to cut the budget. Basically, we're set to cut it up to 15 percent to certain departments uh, of the state government. When you guys get together again next year, uh, general session, uh, will you fight against any kind of tax increase to make that money up? Or are you going to are you going to say that, uh, hey, look, we can, we did it without having to uh, without that money. Maybe we can cut government. Yeah, no, I think I mean, the answer is to is to tighten our belts. Now, one of the things that we're going to find is that there's one point two five billion dollars that's going to be coming from the from the feds to Arkansas to help fight the COVID-19. And so those will those, that is money that will be injected into our, our economy. It's not that's not going to go fill the coffers so that that, you know, that we make up the several hundred million dollars worth of the tax. But that money coming back into the economy is going to have some effect on on uh, on revenue for the state. So I think there's a decent chance that we can find that the cuts that we made this year may be enough to uh, to make it through. And that we if we can recover, like like we all are predicting by the summer to back to some sort of new normal, then I think that we're going to be going to be fine next year and probably won't be faced with making any more cuts and and honestly probably i i mean i I believe that we can make a five percent cut across the board to state government and be fine and we should try to do that but the uh the truth is that i don't know that it's going to be necessary next year I I said that one time to uh, State Representative Charlie Collins when he was in the uh, state legislature, and I thought he was going to have a heart attack in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) The the political reality of that is really hard. I mean, it's just because then you're talking about services that somebody worked really hard to to put in place and are frankly living off from. And so it's hard to make any cuts and, and, and make them last. But We've we've done it for this year um, as much as what will be necessary. But I I just think that, just like we said, we expect the economy to rebound pretty quickly. And we've had an injection of federal money, you know, obviously that we borrowed from from China and other places that our great-grandkids will pay back. But as far as for the the economy, the revenue in the state, it's going to help um, bolster our state a little bit. All right, Bob, we thank you for being part of it. State Senator Bob uh, Ballinger on the Dave Ellswick Show. Bob, we look forward to here in the next month or two seeing you back in the studio in the near future. Yeah, let's do that. Good talking to you, and good talking to you, you too, Rob. Good talking right. to you, Bob. Good luck. Yeah, right. State Senator Bob Ballinger here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert, we're going to take a break here in just a yeah, moment for the news at the top of the hour. Mary Bentley. One of our favorite state representatives is going to be joining us uh, today. I tried to get Robin Lund- uh, Lundstrom for today, who I think is 
really one of the bright stars in the state legislature in the, on the House side uh, to be able to join us, but she's not able to. Uh, she's going to join us tomorrow, so Elizabeth gets the benefit of having Robin Lundstrom on. Uh, we're going to start having more and more of our uh, senators and representatives on as we start Hey, look, we're only about six months away from the new uh, general session getting underway. And with that in mind, we got to start talking about it. They're, pre- they're already preparing for it, so I want to know what they're preparing for. Robert, stick around. We'll have you back on with us after the news. I'm Dave Ellswick. Uh, right now, the temperature in, in, in Cabot is 64 degrees, uh, sitting in uh, locally in our uh, area here in uh, uh, Pine Bluff, 69, Hot Springs, 67, Conway, 67, and Little Rock is 67 degrees. Time to take a break. News is next, and then we'll be back with more of the Dave Ellswick Show on your Monday edition. May the 4th be with you here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. be with you. Uh, glad to have you along for the ride here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good things have been happening today. If you just missed our interview uh, with State Senator Bob Ballinger, you missed a great interview. Uh, of course, uh, you can pick up on it by going back and listening to the podcast, if you want to, by going to 101.1 FM, theanswer.com, and uh, you'll find all of my shows there so you can listen to them again in their entirety. Uh, and uh, people say, can I use some of that if I want to you know, use it on my Facebook or whatever? Feel free. Share it. I really want you to share uh, all of this information that uh, we do on the show. Because I'll tell you what, I believe this show gets information out that no other show gets out here in uh, in Arkansas, especially about Arkansas political things that are going on. And, and Bob had a lot of great things to say. Robert Steinbach is here. He's a law professor over at the uh, Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the, the school of law that he teaches at nor at the university for uh, 
who the school of law is affiliated with, so keep that in mind. And joining us right now, and I'm glad to have her here, she joins us all the time when uh, the general session's going on at the Capitol. And Mary Bentley is with us, state representative uh, here in the, the state of Arkansas. And, and uh, Rep, we appreciate you being here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We talked about the letter that the uh, uh, Republican caucus from the Senate sent over to the uh, the governor. Was the House uh, letter basically the exact same thing, Mary? Yeah, pretty much. We worked together on it, Dave. The Republican caucus did, so the leaders in both. We just wanted, all of us were hearing from our constituents loudly that they were ready for things to get reopened so we just thought it would be best for the governor to hear from all of us together to let him know that we're we're hearing from our folks back home and we know that uh they're ready to make things oh, happen some common sense things to be done so i know i'm hearing from it every day from my constituents so well i'm gonna i'm gonna let you talk for just a moment here because i i mentioned this to uh, the senator let me say to you uh, representative that i believe that our governor did a great job uh, here with the state during this uh, pandemic. Now, it's not over yet, but I do believe we're on the downside of it. I think that he did a fantastic job of leading the state through this. And though I think that he's a little overly cautious on reopening, uh, I cannot fault him for how he's directed us to get us to the point we are now. How about you? I agree with you, Dave, 100%. And yeah, we can't, um, at the end of the day, what happens in the state is going to fall on his shoulders, right? So the number of deaths and all those things. And so everything's going to be looking what the decisions that he makes, we're all going to be looking back at him. So we can't fault him at all. I think, I think he's done a phenomenal job. I really have his staff, his uh, department of health, and those guys have worked with a lot and just trying to do what we can to get our voices heard and get information out. So they've done a good, a good job <clears throat> of connecting with us and making sure that we have all the information that we need and trying, you know, it's a fluid thing. So, you know, it's hard each day when I try, when I talk to constituents and say, you know, um, like folks that are waiting on elective surgeries for knee replacements, they've been waiting for months and calling me and crying. You know, it's hard for me to explain to them that, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see how things look this week before we can make another decision. I know it's it's hard for us, for them to understand when they've been in pain and waiting for a long time um, to make that happen. But again, at the end of the day, it all is going to fall on the governor's shoulders on, on the deaths that occur. But I think that we can look and see without a doubt that we've, you know, we've t- to return the page, and I think it's time for us to switch to the point of letting those folks that are vulnerable, the folks that are a little bit older, the folks that may have diabetes or whatever, to really protect themselves and let other folks get back to work in a reasonable manner. Well, even so, you know, you know, with, yeah. with the restaurants opening on the 11th, which is a week from today, uh, I'm not going to be running out and having dinner just because I'm type 2 diabetic. I'm 67 years old, and I have been, uh, you know, struggling a little bit with my health with a, an open wound I got on my uh, my foot that was caused by an infection, a MRSA infection of all things. So with that all going on, I'm not going to test fate, so to speak. And, and then you got Robert, who's sitting and listening to us talk right now, He's not going to go out and do it anyway because he's a germaphobe. I mean, I'm just, you know, it's just the way it is. Well, Davis, you you brought the best point I wanted to bring up was individual responsibility, right? So if we can do some individual responsibility, those folks that don't need to be out, don't need to be out, you know? So that's the point of it. And just using some common sense to say that I'm, I'm... 
I am at risk, and I don't need to be putting myself more at risk and going out there where I don't need to. But there are folks that are younger that are in perfect health, and then, um, those small businesses could sure use their help and could sure use their dollars out there. And we we all know that. You know, I'm I know that you know I run a, a, a manufacturing business and I sell to small stores. And I'm telling you, I was amazed at how everything just came to a screeching halt and all my orders stopped and they closed doors shut you know they shut their doors and this is really my busiest time of the year for mother's day and leading up to graduation is usually my busiest time of year and we've had zero you know i've had online sales but as far as my small businesses go my small stores across the nation that i deal with they're all shut so it's been it's been a hard hit it's been a hard hit for those small stores and i'm glad that we're opening uh, small businesses up this week it's very important this is one of the busiest weeks of the year for them with Mother's Day coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. So those are those are important things for us to look at and see. So, you know, it, it's hard for, you know, I guess small business owner, Dave, you know that I have good connections with my constituents, so they feel free to call me and talk to me, you know. But when Walmart's open and folks can go to Walmart and buy those gifts, but yet they can't go to their small store, it's hard. Hard for them to understand why we're doing that. So I'm glad that we're starting to open things up and get, get things moving the state because it's, it's time. Yeah, let me just say that if you've got a, 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 a family member that's a huge Razorback fan, that Mary's business makes these drinking cups. They're red. And they're and and I've had mine for almost five years now, now and they've got the Razorback insignia on the side of them. Mary, that Razorback insignia is still as bright as it always was. The, the, the cup hasn't faded, and uh, they're my favorite cups. I mean, my, my family fights over them when we get together at times for dinner and stuff. Just good stuff. You still making those? Oh, yeah, we're making those for sure. And like I said, you know, we're and what I'm excited to hear, Dave, is that, I, you know, I have a lot of people come and say, are you really American-made? And I said, yeah, we're made right yeah. here in Arkansas. We couldn't be much more American-made. I use American-made plastic. And so that's that's the point I think that we're going to hopefully get out there that maybe folks will realize how much they do need their small businesses across the state and get out there and really support them this week. Yeah, well, here's the key. You don't want made in China anymore. Absolutely not. Uh, I'm just saying. You know, Dave, you... that's been my biggest. <laughs> no one has to preach that more than than to me, and I'm I'm really concerned. I think that moving forward, to really, you know, I I in my heart totally believe we're at war with China, and I think folks need to realize that we are. So yeah, I got I got to ask you a question about that, and and that is, do you think the governor is going to run into a little bit of pushback here in the state now about you know out there wooing Chinese businesses to to Arkansas? Well, I'm sure he's going to run to that with the state legislature because I can, you know, I I got up and spoke during fiscal session. It was, you know, fiscal session was tough, you know, because of the situation we were and Jack Stevens was nowhere near the opportunity for us to discuss and get together as we usually do. I think it, you know, made us all appreciate the chamber immensely. Um, it's just hard to explain what it's like when you can visit one on one, be there, and this that was totally cut off there during fiscal session having at Jack Stevens has made it totally impossible to really communicate. But I wanted to make my constituents know that I had heard from them because a, a number of them had contacted me about very frustrated about us having anything to do with China. So I, I had my constituents' voice heard at the you know at the fiscal session. I can tell you that there are member, number of legislators feeling the same way that we have to look at it. You know, we want our state to move forward. No one wants our state economically uh, thriving more than than I do, Dave, and you know that. But we got to make sure that at the end of the day we do what's right. And I think our senator Tom Cotton has done a phenomenal job. Yep. At, at making us aware, you know, he's one of my favorite constituents for sure, Tom Cotton. So I've listened to him and heard what he had to say. I think it's time for us to make that known here in the state as well. 
All right. Uh, we're going to come back, talk more at Mary. And uh, Robert's been sitting there listening. I'm sure he's got questions as well. We'll get back and take more questions from uh, or we'll give more questions to, say, to represent Mary Bentley, who's joining us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. The, the state is starting to slowly reopen. Keep that in mind. And uh, it may not open as quickly as you want. It's not opening uh, up as quickly as I want. And I do think it was a mistake by the governor to open the churches, uh, let the churches open up uh, before the uh, salons open, reopened, because the women are going to be upset about that. Uh, according <laughs> according to, to Forbes magazine, 96% of Americans, I said 96%, claim their Social Security benefits at the wrong time. And uh, that's a mistake that can cost you can cost you an average of $111,000 during the course of your retirement. Can you afford to lose $111,000? I know I can't afford to I can't lose I can't afford to lose five, $500 much less 111k. Uh, learn how you can avoid that with a free social security analysis from David Lucas Financial here in North Little Rock. If you save more than $250,000, you have it filed for social security. Be one of the first 10 callers right now. Do it right now to schedule your free analysis at 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Again, 501-222-3315. The free analysis is done either over the phone or through video conferencing. So social uh, distancing is kept uh, uh, the way it should be and things of that nature. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. More of the Dave Ellswick Show, but traffic time right now at 101.1 FM, The Answer. 20 minutes after 8 on a Monday morning. Let me, I'm going to say it again, Heidi. Here we go. May the 4th be with you. Got to say that. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. So uh, Mary Bentley is our uh, guest uh, here. She's state representative uh, and uh, belongs to the House side of, you know, the the legislature. She does a great job. Uh, I can uh, a couple of years back. Let me tell you what she did something. She brought up a piece of legislation that I didn't think there'd be any kind of complaining about. And she took all kinds of of hits about it. And to this day, I say to you, Mary, you still was a good thing you brought it up. It still needs to be brought up. And that is people who are food stamps don't need to be buying Hershey bars. I mean, I just don't I I don't go along with taking tax money and letting people buy a bunch of uh, uh, garbage stuff. I mean, it's... it's I'm glad you brought that up, Dave, because if we look at this coronavirus that's been shouting in my... Because you you saw, I'm sure you were paying attention when um, Dr. Nate Smith brought that up, uh, the number of people that had diabetes and the people that had heart disease and all those things that were being greatly affected by that. So we have, as a state... We need to prioritize, and we have one of the highest numbers of diabetes in the nation in Arkansas. And it's something wow. we need to look Didn't at. Tax on them. Was never, you know me. I was not trying to be a mean and hateful person. I'm trying to say if we care about people, we need to care about their health. 
Um, and this is purely, um, this is right in our face right now, that we need to be caring about people's health and doing things to encourage them to eat healthy, to live a better life, you know, to enjoy life, to not be sick and in the hospital and, you know, not living life to their fullest. And that's really what I was, was after with that. So um, I know you anyway. were. I mean, I, just, I was just <laughs> amazed. I was amazed at the things that were said about you. It just blew me away that people, I mean, that that's tax money being given to people to buy food. They shouldn't be buying, you know, ice cream bars, so to speak. Well, you know, Coca-Cola, I mean, and the beverage companies get uh, 20% of their income comes from SNAP benefits, 20%. So you can understand why they were battling wow, hard. I didn't know it's that high. Yeah, 20%. So one of the number one things purchased with SNAP benefits is soft drinks, and you know. Anyway, we can be on that for a long time, and but I can tell you that I was, uh, I've been reinvigorated watching, you know, what's happened to folks, and we need to care enough about folks to say that it's time to, you know, we, lo- we love you, we care about you, we want you to eat healthy. Um, and I think our taxpayers deserve that. So there so, we go. So let me ask one last question about this. I know you didn't come on sure. to talk about this, but I, I do no, want to ask fine. you one one more question about it. And, and, and that is, do you think that the EBT cards should be, you know, reined in a little bit? I mean, I look at, uh, you know, all of these little you know, gas stations, yeah, EBT cards, right. Pizza yeah. Hut, EBT yeah. cards, all these places with EBT cards. Uh, how I, It seems to me it was always made to be you go out and you buy healthy food that you prepare for your family. Am I wrong on this? No, that was the original intent. I think that's an area that we can look at, Dave. Um, it was meant to feed families, right, to have meals for families. And we know that some families don't have the ability to cook the way that others do, but we can certainly still buy, you know, food that's healthy for you. So I think we need to look at that. Um, unfortunately, we have so many folks that use them. At, you know, I can tell you story after story here in Arkansas. You know, kids will come after school, go over there, buy every, all their friends a candy bar and a Coke, and put it on their EBT card. Well, yeah. that's not really what it was designed for, you know. So let's <laughs> get it back to what it was designed for. And I know that WIC is now using a card. You know, it used to be before they used vouchers and all that, and it was complicated, but now they're all on cards. So if we can do it with WIC, I think we can make uh, it more like WIC. Let's design it, because WIC's doing a great job. There is story after story of decrease in obesity and increase in health on a week and so let's design i think there's a president i've heard the president say that more than once um so i'm gonna visit with senator cotton senator bozeman you know and, it's, and I, I think it's one of my favorite things in arkansas we have such a good relationship with our washington delegation um that we can call and talk to them easily and so i'm just going to continue to get my voice heard to them that we've got to i think one of the biggest things dave that i when i try to do is that everybody that lives in texarkana you know or fort smith or all that say well if we fix it here in arkansas they don't fix it around us so we're going to be hurting our state but anyway so that's why we need something on the national level but we can still i think make some incremental changes here that will it'll improve arkansas and improve life for our kansans and that's what that's what we're after all right. I appreciate you. So what are the big deals? I mean, we talked about this during the break, and, and Robert, this is something that uh, I definitely want you to jump in on, and that is mm-hmm. you guys are getting ready for the uh, the general session that will happen again uh, in January of 2021. Uh, what are some things that the caucus is talking about getting ready for? it? Well, you know, right now, day budget's kind of overwhelming the session right we're talking about what are we going to do we're not sure what the budget's going to look like so that's going to be some big things that we're looking at i think we you know i was thankful for the governor again for his doing transformation and kind of organizing things in our agency so we can streamline those a little bit i think that will be helpful i know that you know 
the things that I were looking at beforehand, everything's going to switch a little bit with with this coronavirus for sure. We're getting this a little more fine tuned and focused on on the budget like we need to be. So I know those that's already being talked about in our caucus for sure. Um, what can we do there to do more with more with less? And also, you know, education's always a big thing, Dave. You know, with me, it is we need to do better for our students. And uh, broadband's a huge thing. I'm already looking at that with my constituents because it's mm-hmm. you know. This highlighted that even more. We have got to get, you know, we're 50th in the nation on availability of broadband, and it's just, that's not acceptable. Totally not, not acceptable. Definitely so not when you've got to do all your classes sure. at home right now. Sure. Yeah, and it's, and it's an economic development thing. I have people leaving my district because they don't have good broadband. I mean, older folks will tolerate it, but younger folks will not, and you cannot operate a business without it. So that's really my key focus right now. Even in between, I'm working with my uh, county judges and mayors to see what can we do to, to work with what we passed already to make it happen. So that's a big focus um, for me always is small, helping our small businesses out and improving our education and making lives better for our Kansans especially in rural Arkansas. And I know that myself, I'm looking at uh, what can we do to with the rural health. You know, again, we want to have telehealth out there, so there's broadband, again, helping those folks out there because it's a, more and more every every month what that can be done through telehealth for, for my constituents. So I want us to look at that as well. Yeah, that's cool. something that's really going to change. I mean, people have heard about telehealth, I'm sure. For instance, uh, one of my uh, my kids had to use telehealth here uh, last week. Uh, that that's becoming more and more the norm now, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, definitely is. You know, I've got my my daughter. My oldest daughter has four little four little children. Last thing she's going to do is pull them out anywhere. But you know, when you, she has something going on with her eye, she's able to, you know, visit with her doctor online, get antibiotics ordered. Her husband brought them home. You know, so that's more and more. I think you know, shit needs to be available. And but if we don't have good broadband, it's not it's just not going to happen. So I'm with uh, you. Yeah, we're definitely going to pu- definitely going to push on that for sure. Hey, I'm two. Uh, I'm down. I'm down to just two minutes left. We got John Hannity ready to go. Let me ask one last question. I asked this to Senator Ballinger, uh, cutting back on the the state uh, government uh, budget a little bit because of coronavirus and whatnot. Uh, do you think we can shrink government a little bit instead of having to look to raise taxes to make up money that we lost during this time? Oh, certainly, certainly we can. Okay. I'll be fighting for that all the way, Dave. I don't see any reason that we need to raise taxes on anyone. <laughs> I knew what you were going to say. You make me feel good, Mary Bentley, state representative out in the, the Perryville area. We we appreciate you, Mary. Thank you so much, and I'll let it's you go for the day. Every, yeah. Hey, everybody, be, be kind to each other through all this. Let's all work with each other, and there's no reason to be hating each other. We, we all need a little kindness today. So and go, go visit a small business and buy something for Mother's Day. Thanks, Dave. All right. Appreciate you. Mary Bentley, state representative. Always a pleasure to have her on the Dave Ellsworth Show. She's a great one, uh, uh, Robert. She is really mm-hmm. a great a great uh, state representative. And I'm happy to say I'm the guy who talked her into running for office. And, uh, That's great. And, and she won, and she has done fantastic, fantastic things. Uh, listen, we'll come back. You and I will talk, and we'll have the last... Uh, 20 minutes or 25 minutes to ourselves. But right now, Sean Hannity is ready to go here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, uh, The Answer. Stay around. We continue finishing up the show today, 25 minutes until uh, 9 o'clock. Robert Steinbach is with us. Hey, Robert, when your alarm goes off, how long does it take you to get out of bed? Actually, not very long. The problem is when I get woken up, I'm awake. There is no sort of going back. 
so uh, not very long. Okay, well, it takes the. Uh, this is a, a a mattress company did a a a survey found out Americans take an average of twenty four minutes to actually wow. get out of bed and start their day. That's after the alarm goes off twice and hitting the snooze button twice uh, two times more. And in order to combat this groggy snoozing habit, they change their alarm times an average of thirty eight times a year. Wow. I don't. My set. My my. I haven't changed my uh, alarm time since I took over the morning show. I get up at the exact same time. It typically takes me four minutes to get up. I wake up. I stare at the clock for a while. I read a first news story, and then I'm up and at them. Very good. Yeah, I'm similar. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I think that comes from my my background in the military. In the military, when they said get up, they meant get up. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Said Rev- Reveille, get your butt up. Anyway, uh, the president last night in that virtual town hall made the statement that he believed that we will have a uh, a vaccine uh, for the uh, COVID nineteen by uh, uh, December of this year. Uh, What's his name? Um, I'm trying to say uh, Fauci. Made is it Fauci? Is that right? Fauci, yeah. Fauci uh, basically agreed with that, saying that uh, yeah, if things fall right, uh, December could be uh, the you know good uh, as far as that. Now I, I heard Dr. Oz had something to say about it too. I don't know exactly what it was. You know that after the president said that. The news media would have to go out and ask 60 uh, more doctors what they thought. And the person who had the best answer of why we could not do that would be the one that they would uh, they would uh, quote in their articles. Um, I got to believe that the president every day is getting a briefing on the covid-19. And one of those parts of that briefing is how things are going as far as the uh, uh, the vaccine goes. What say you? Well, I, I have seen in the paper there are a number of companies in the states and around the world that are competing essentially to come out with the first vaccine. So uh, I, I have no idea, of course, how quickly, but they are obviously on an expedited schedule to do so. And in fact, I think there's been some waiver of governmental restrictions here in the United States in terms of. Uh, what hoops you need to go through. Uh, of course, and, of course, we're all anxious and hopeful that a vaccine can be developed quickly. I don't know much about the, the medicine behind it, but uh, as you know, we've never been able to develop a vaccine for the common cold, I think because it mutates a lot. Uh, but we always have a vaccine for the common flu, albeit, of course, not 100 percent effective. Nobody expects it to be. So I'm hopeful that the COVID-19, uh, the underlying virus, is uh, closer to the annual flu. And I, from what, I, what I, little I understand from what much I read, it is. And so we should have a vaccine at some point. Who knows when? Okay. Um Elizabeth sent me a story, uh, Arkansas Code Title 12, Law Enforcement Emergency Management Military Affairs, Subtitle 5, Emergency Management Chapter 75, Arkansas Emergency Services Act, 
talking about because of the existing increasing possibility occurrence of a major emergency or a disaster of unprecedented size and destructiveness resulting from in- enemy attacks, natural or human-caused catastrophes. It goes in and says that the governor can do a whole lot of things uh, that a lot of people th- thought that he could not do. Uh, had had you looked into this a little bit over over time as far as that, it says, number two, confer upon the governor and upon the executive heads of the political subdivisions of the state the emergency powers provided therein or herein talking about all of this information. I mean, they literally can make changes all over the place uh, with a COVID-19 outbreak like this. I don't know anything specific about that piece of legislation. I do know as a general matter that governors and the president are empowered to do many things under emergency situations, uh, whereas local mayors are not. Uh, I don't know if this changes it. I don't know if the statute can change that. Uh, But unfortunately, we've seen a bunch of local yokels all over the country wanting to flex their muscle so that they look like they're doing something. And they usually look like a bunch of ineffective boobs. Yep. Of course, the classic case of that is uh, Bill de Blasio in New York City. It, it's remarkable to me how this guy ever got elected to anything uh, beyond dog catcher. And that's an insult to all those people who have been elected dog catchers. Uh, and Mayor Scott here in Little Rock, I think, has been doing a remarkably mediocre job, uh, I say with all sarcasm intended, uh, in in Little Rock, um, he's been walking around dictating orders that he's not empowered to do so and shouldn't be doing so. Uh, I recently sent you a copy of a notice having nothing to do with COVID uh, that my neighbor received from the trash department, whatever you call that officially, in which they said, oh, we're no longer going to make uh, extra pickups when you have, like, you know, you throw away uh, uh, something, you know, the bigger kind of seasonal garbage so you know christmas tree that kind of thing uh and we're going to charge you 25 dollars each uh, uh i don't know 10 cubic yards i don't know how uh, a homeowner's supposed to measure that in the first instance uh and it was always included in the fees but it's just another example of the mayor cutting back on services to those tax-paying uh, little rock uh, citizens uh, because he's got all of these social justice welfare ideas that he wants to implement uh, and it's uh, just another example of bad management. And, and we're, go- we're going to have to reverse that. We're going to have to reverse that shutdown of the reasonable gar- garbage services uh, here in Little Rock that we've always gotten and he's now trying to cut back on. And we're going to have to shut down his efforts to reform the purpose of city government into some sort of social justice warrior effort that he's trying to pursue. Of course, as you know, he's the mayor that appointed that absolutely awful uh, chief of police who fired that cop who was reinstated correctly so, and now they're dragging their feet on trying to give him the responsibilities that he's entitled to have. Yeah, and the police chief is going to is going to find himself back in court again. It looks like that's right. From what that's I'm right. reading about that, okay. So let me uh, set this uh, next topic up, and then we'll take it on when we come back from the break. Uh, Sunday, yesterday, the Department of Justice took the side of a Virginia church that is suing uh, Virginia Democrat Governor Ralph Northam because police threatened the church's pastor with jail time or a substantial fine for holding a service on Palm Sunday that was attended by a mere 
16 people. On April 5th, police served Kevin Wilson, the pastor of Lighthouse Fellowship Church, uh, on a it's at some island, I can't pronounce it, a summons, despite the fact that the 16 people in attendance at the church that holds 293 people were observing social distancing guidelines. Quote, state officials said Wilson and the church violated the Virginia Constitution by breaking state-imposed social distancing restrictions intended to stop the spread of the coronavirus. That, according to Fox News, and uh, the uh, bar didn't take uh, kindly to that. And uh, we'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about PI Roofing. They're ready to handle any roofing problems you have. Uh, before we get these uh, severe thunderstorms tomorrow night, might want to have them come out if they can and take a look at your roof and uh, make sure it doesn't have any leaks, have any problems that you need to get repaired. Because you'd be surprised. You tell them, talk to your uh, insurance company. You'd be surprised at how fast they can get up there and fix things. I've seen them fix things in a few hours here uh, at the Dave Ellswick estate, to be honest. All right. Don't forget that all you got to do is call them, 707-3551, 707-3551. They are making sure they keep social distancing and everything else necessary so you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They want you to know that your roof is well taken care of. You take care of all the other stuff that's got to go on inside uh, your house. 707-3551 or you can uh, check them out at piroofing.com. More coming up, but right now, your traffic. All right, down to two uh, two more uh, quick questions for you, Robert. Uh, I want to go back and ask what you think about the whole DOJ coming out in support of this church. Uh, during the break, I told I read some of the what the DOJ was saying uh, to uh, the state of Virginia, like, "Hey, you're letting all these other businesses stay open that are uh, you know that are secular, and uh, but you go after this church because they got 16 people." Uh, this is wrong, and uh, they're putting Virginia on notice that they need to back off here. But uh, but you asked an interesting question of me during the break, so let me let you bring it up. It seems to me that Democrat Party have become very antagonistic towards the church and towards Christianity in general. In, in religion in general, and I don't know why yeah. it is. I don't know why they think that suits them politically. I don't think it does. But, of course, as I've said many times before on your show, the Democrats aren't asking me for political advice. But it it strikes me that they are generally anti-religion. It's one thing to say, well, people can have their beliefs, be it any particular religion or no religion at all. But it doesn't seem to me that the church, excuse me, the Democratic Party follows that belief. I think more so they seem to be, of the belief that if you if you don't believe in a religion, uh, that's good, and if you do believe in a religion, that's not good. And I, I don't get it, but and it, and my guess is that most Democrats do believe in God and do have a religion. So it strikes me that they're undercutting their own base. But yet again, like I say, I'm not here to advise the Democrats on how to behave in terms of their own intra-party uh, operations. 
It just sounds to me like uh, the governor is going to lose this one. I mean, if you're letting other businesses stay open that aren't churches, and the church that's meeting is uh, doesn't even have as many people uh, in their church. I had 16, and they were doing the social distancing thing. Uh, I think you should understand immediately you're standing on thin ice. Well, indeed, and of course... The, the church is protected, right, in the First Amendment, yes. while other businesses generally are not. Of course, we've seen that all the time regarding the Second Amendment, where uh, the left and liberal judges and liberal elected officials have, for years and years, felt as if the Second Amendment was the ugly stepchild of all of the other amendments. Now, that has, in good measure, turned around under the Supreme Court, but still it, it, there's this general attitude of, of, oh, well, we need to put up all these extra restrictions on the Second Amendment, uh, even though it's an amendment. I'm not saying that the Second Amendment enti- entitles you to have any sort of weapon uh, at any time, anywhere, but the left seems not to recognize that there's a foundational right in bearing arms that the Supreme Court has declared, so they, yeah. the left can argue the contrary all they want, that's a done deal. Yeah, they they deny, uh, you know, you know Heller, and they deny McDonald, right. Heller versus right. Washington, D.C., and and McDonald versus Chicago. They, they deny both of those cases. They don't even want to talk about them. All right, last but not least, and this is something that really does bother me, because I didn't like, you know, my brothers and I, we had a going thing that nobody told on the other one. If somebody did something and and uh, nobody knew who did it, but you did, that you didn't go to your parents and snitch on your, you know, be a tattletale, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Sunday morning, this is another example of the current trend of politicians exerting outside influence. The 29-year-old CEO of Harris County, Texas, County Judge Lena Hidalgo. Now, I don't know if she's, you know, uh, Democrat or Republican. I'm going to say since she's close to Houston, probably Democrat, but doesn't matter to me, it, it, no matter what party, told people in her constituency that they should inform on businesses that were open or restaurants at full capacity and report them to the state. She sent out a tweet. See a restaurant at full capacity? Business open that shouldn't be? Help us save lives. If you see violations of Governor Abbott's order, please report them. And by Sunday night, uh, the web address triggered a message stating this form is currently unavailable now. So people were giving her all kinds of unmitigated, uh, you know, a blast. So uh, it, it bothers me that our government, like you living in East Germany or something, is watch your neighbor and tell on them. Yeah, and, and I generally agree with your point. We talked about this previously on your show, and you aptly referred to that attitude generally as Stasi-like. Of course, that's the East German uh, police when it was a communist nation. Uh, here's the question. The question is, if after there's a reporting, are they going to come out and arrest you or ticket you? Or is it going to be some sort of conversation? We say, listen, folks, uh, you need to be more observant of the law. 
because there was an interesting article in the New York Times again about shaming, COVID shaming, they called it. And they were suggesting, by the way, that there's something wrong with that. And I'm not sure I agree with that. Meaning, like uh, we discussed when Bob, Bob Ellinger was on the show, if someone's going out and coughing and not covering up and they're sick, uh, we should say to them, hey, go back inside. That's a method of enforcement by the community itself that says to people who aren't behaving in a way that's safe for others, uh, stop doing that. So it's not clear to me what the intent behind the reporting is, but as you are, uh, I am too generally skeptical when the reporting is to the government, to the state, and by state I mean any government level, uh, that because we are all always cautious about the heavy hand of government coming in and using criminal sanctions. So I don't know what the intent was there, but also I think you said she was the 29-year-old, essentially, mayor of the city. And it does reflect a broader point. As I get older, perhaps, I become more and more skeptical when we have younger and younger elected officials. 29 may be okay. And, of course, there are noteworthy exceptions of young elected officials who are quite qualified indeed. But I think one needs a little experience under their belt before they go out and start uh, giving orders to other people. Yeah, well, she uh, she is the head of the third largest county in the United States. Five million people there in, in Houston. Uh, after Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced his plan to reopen the state, Hidalgo stated, quote, we can't ignore what is right around the corner. Come, uh, some see today as a day of celebration. My message to them is not so fast. Reopening doesn't mean mission accomplished. It doesn't mean the virus goes away, unquote. Uh, Houston Chronicle reported Friday that Hidalgo announced the last step in her four-step plan to restart Houston's economy, saying Hidalgo said in a previous press conference that despite her desire to reopen the economy, Abbott's unexpected timeline was much sooner than she had originally planned for Harris County's roughly 5 million residents. Sounds, she's a Democrat, by the way. She doesn't like Abbott, is wanting to open this up, uh, the economy up. And so she's going to, uh, you know, put her head down and butt heads with the man. Uh, She's going to lose because if you're a county judge, the governor supersedes what you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I wish uh, more county and local officials were cognizant and acted upon that apt uh, reflection of how the law operates. Yeah. Judge says if Judge Hidalgo's order is not declared unconstitutional and void, once this virus passes, the rights we are afforded under the Texas Constitution will forever be damaged. And I agree with that. Appreciate you, Robert. You have a great day, Always brother. And uh, we'll have you on from time to time during this week because I'm sure there'll be legal questions that raise their ugly heads. And now that you're part of the bar of Arkansas, you know, I'll have you on and you can speak as an Arkansan. Indeed. We'll do ask the attorney again. That's it. All right. Like you, brother. Yeah, with Chris. All right. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you a little later. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We're done for today. Tomorrow, uh, remember, we've got State Representative... uh, uh, Robin Lundstrom on an 8 o'clock hour, 7 o'clock hour, the Bible guys. If you have a question for the Bible guys, uh, send it to Bible guys at SalemLR.com.
SalemLR.com. That's BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. Or send it directly to me, an email at uh, Dave at SalemLR.com. And we'll make sure that your question gets asked. We're out of time. I'll be back with you at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. Thanks for joining us today. May the 4th be with you on the Dave Ellswick Show tomorrow, 6 a.m.